Bill and Bob's bracket busting bonanza. I'm Bob. There is no Bill. Um, Bill is traveling. Uh, we tried to coordinate things and it just kind of didn't work. Um, but I would be remiss if I felt um, I felt we needed to do a little something here for the Sweet 16 instead of just jumping right from the round of 64 to the to the final four. Um, so here I am, uh, solo pod, and I hope you enjoy. We're going to start in the top left side, West Region. Um, and actually, it's the only one that has all chalk. Uh, one, two, three, four, all advancing to the Sweet 16. First matchup, Gonzaga versus Arkansas. Um, listen, this one is a matchup. Arkansas, I think, can match Gonzaga's offense a little bit. Um, however, if they do what they did in the uh, round of 32 game where... Arkansas um, basically was in a rock fight against New Mexico State. They pulled it out 53-48. If you bring that type of offense against Gonzaga, it's not gonna it's not gonna work. Um, personally, I the the Zags look flawed at this point. But um, I think what we saw out of them in the in the round of thirty two game in the second half against Memphis is is the true Zags team. So it took them four quarters for it to happen. The second half, they looked better against Georgia State in the opening round. But in reality, if the, the Georgia, Georgia State's bigs were out and banged up in the first half, uh, and it really just left the writing on the wall for the Zags to run away with it in the um, in the second half of that game, um, or in... in in the game against Memphis, uh, Zags down 10 at halftime, put up 51 in the second half. Timmy really got going. I'm not sure Arkansas has a way to contain him. Um, the way I see it, um, the, the defense, it's Arkansas from a defensive uh, standpoint. They're 14 in Ken Palm, right? But it's if you if you watch them play, it's I don't know. They seem uninspired on the defensive end. Uh, I know that they can obviously turn it on. Uh, JD Note in particular, the guard, I think is going to be the guy. He's going to give the Zags some problems. I'm not sure the the uh, as after Nebhart and I I think that's the key, obviously the key matchup because I think beyond him. They just the Zags don't have really, they don't really have that second ball handler like they've had in the past. Uh, last year it was Nebhard and Suggs. Um, this year it's really just Nebhard. Uh, Strother plays off the ball more, um, you know, less of a strong, um, strong ball handler. Uh, and Rasir Bolton is is okay as a two guard, but he, the, the Zags team is just not. They're just not as deep as they have been in years past. So. Um, it's listen the Zags. It, it's there for the taking. I I don't necessarily see Arkansas taking this game. Um, my stance still st- is the same as it was in the um, going into the tournament. Behind Note, they need a second scorer. Um, 
whether it's their big man Jalen Williams, who's um, you know gets a ton of double doubles, but he had um, a strong uh, opening round game against Vermont, um, where he had uh, ten boards and thirteen points. Uh, Stanley Umade in that game also uh, had a real nice game, uh, three or four from th- from three in a minute uh, performance. Uh, 21 and 9 out of him. Uh, so one of those guys really needs to come um, come big come big time in the scoring column uh, to get it done against the Zags. Uh, Holmgren, to me, is really the key here. Uh, I still think he's kind of a true unicorn in the sense that there's just not... It, when he gets in the open floor, he could do some things. Uh, he could hit threes. Uh, you know, he's still... At some point, I think he's going to have his moment in this tournament, uh, and maybe this is the round um, round to get it done for them. I like the Zags here, uh, and in the I mean they're going to be meeting the two three uh, matchup. The Duke uh, Duke as the two seed, um, Texas Tech as the three seed. Uh, so this one to me, it's really as simple as. Duke looked done in the round of 32, okay? Um, They were basically, I mean, the game was all but lost, and they put up on, they finished on an incredible run, and that is the Duke Blue Devils in a nutshell. Uh, Michigan State did not have the offense to keep up with Duke, yet hung around for 37 minutes or so, and or maybe it was 36 minutes. But Duke, I think, finished on something like a, a like twenty to six run or something, and that is that is Duke to me in a nutshell, where they could turn it on, and there's very few teams like that in America who can score in that quick and that strong of a burst, um, or that tr- truly showed. Now, what makes this matchup um, in particular is obviously Duke number four offense in the country. Texas Tech, number one defense in the country. Um, Texas Tech has had uh, had a very good shooting performance against Montana State, and then offenses kind of scaled back in their game against Notre Dame. So really, I, as much as you might like Texas's defense, I like at some point, I mean, Texas Tech made it to the championship on defense, but they had strong they had strong offensive players. This Texas Tech team, their leading scorer is Bryson Williams, uh, averages just under fourteen a game, and then uh, other than that, it's uh, Terrence Shannon at ten, um, and O'Banner uh, at ten as well. To me, yeah. I mean, I'm having a tough time not going against Duke. Uh, betting lines here have this at Duke plus one. So obviously the sports books feel confident enough, um, you know, having Texas Tech as the favorite. And obviously no sort of betting trend has moved the line um, that way. So it it's, is interesting to see a three favorite over a two. Um, but I, in my eyes, it's it's if Duke plays with some offensive urgency – and doing and kind of imposing their will uh, with their size that they have with Mark Williams and um, and Banchero, 
it, they're they're still going to be a very very tough out. Um, but the guard play, you know, um, with McCullough and Shannon, I think is key here to keeping. Um, you know, Keels and Roach and, you know, keeping those guys from kind of making their mark on the game. Wendell Moore, I thought, had, was really good down the stretch in the round of 32 game. Um, but, yeah, I don't – I still see Duke in the Elite Eight. Uh, I, I think this, this bracket at least stays chalky. Um, the way the bracket is set up, actually, it's – it always – it kind of annoys me when it does this. Oh, the East games, unless I'm wrong, yeah. So the East games, we're gonna skip. We're gonna skip them because they're gonna be on Friday. So we're gonna circle back to them in a moment. The South region is the other games for the Thursday night. We have one five, Arizona versus Houston, and the other one is number two Villanova versus the number eleven Michigan. Um, the Arizona one, I still like Arizona very much. So. Uh, Kirk Risa, you hope that he's he played a lot of minutes in the round of the 32 game. Um, they needed overtime to get by TCU, but TCU showed a lot of life uh, over two games of this tournament. The first round, blowing out Seton Hall um, in in a defensive, um, masterful performance, really. And then their scoring kind of showed up in the second game, and then... Um, Arizona got by them. Creasa played a lot of minutes in the round of 32. Obviously not himself, didn't shoot the ball well at all. Um, but I think what we saw in that round of 32 game is that uh, Benedict Matherin showed up again. Uh, he is an elite four and all season long, he's kind of had these games where he puts together these very, very strong performances and you see why everybody regards him as a special talent. But Christian Coloco, the center uh, for Arizona had a uh, as good of a game I think as anybody could have played in this tournament so far 40 minutes um, over the 45 minutes of the game played 28 points thir- uh, 12 uh, 12 boards on 12 of 13 shooting if he puts together a game like that um, I-, I like them to go past Houston here um, the thing with Houston is th- th- their athleticism to me, uh, is what overwhelms teams. It overwhelmed um, Illinois. Uh, and uh, the difference, <laughs> Kofi Coburn and Christian Coloco, there is a difference there. Coburn is really a true post player. Coloco can do that. I don't think he's as polished, but his athleticism is, I think, at a higher level than Coburn. Coburn is a guy who really plays off his strength. Where Coloco is a guy, it's it's off his athleticism. He's also an elite shot blocker, as we know, on the defensive end. Um, Houston, though, they're man. They they are a team that comes out every single year and just continues to find ways to win. Um, and you just can't count them out. Uh, they, I'm looking at it now. They are one and a half point underdogs in this game. Um, it really seems like such a short line for a one-five game, and especially Arizona, the second highest. Um, they were the second overall seeding in the entire tournament. This one is going to be a, a very, very good game on Thursday night. Um, I, it's really a coin flip here. Um, I still like Arizona. 
I'm just I think this one is really going to be a struggle for them though. Um, but I think Houston they need to start out strong, and they really need to keep Matherin um, out of the scoring column because if you if you start to force uh, Creasa to shoot threes and he's not fifty percent, and you kind of take Matherin away, you're kind of putting um, your your eggs in the basket that Arizona will not come up with a second scorer, um, and I think that's the way to get it done here. Uh, the other game, Whisker Nation, Villanova, they're going against Michigan. Um, Michigan, I think everybody knew coming into this tournament that they, there was the team, they were number two to start the season, um, and they just had a very up-and-down year, strong sc- strength of schedule, uh, very strong offensive team, uh, and they have Dickerson, who can obviously carry them um, through uh, scoring droughts. Um, he's an elite, elite player. Devontae Jones didn't play in the round of 62, plays in the round of 34. He's their senior point guard. I think he's going to be key here against Villanova. Um, I like Villanova to go by here. Um, I, I just think Villanova has been clicking for two games. Uh, they started off the game against Ohio State incredibly strong, um, and they did not fade at all. Um, it got close, and then they, they you know, kind of, put their will back into the game and pulled away. Um, Colin Gillespie, no surprise, having a very strong tournament, as is Jermaine Samuels, the two um, the two seniors. I, I just, I think Villanova now, originally I was kind of down on them. I thought Tennessee might take them down. Billy was um, a big Villanova um, supporter coming into this tournament. The senior leadership here, although there's obviously some veterans on Michigan as well. I think it's going to carry them though here. And I think it's, it's going to be a very interesting contrast in styles if they face off against Arizona. So yeah, my, my looks here would be um, just from not from a betting perspective at all, just of who I think is going to advance. Um, I like Gonzaga, um, the Duke, um, Duke-Texas Tech game, I really think, is a coin toss game. Uh, it's really a matter of preference. Um, I go with Duke here. Um, I don't I don't think they I don't think they make it to the championship game. I think there's too many quality teams ahead of them. Um, but I'd like them to potentially go by Texas Tech here, because I think Tech's offense just um, you know, I don't know. I just for me, whatever I think this year it's just an offensive year, at least from my perspective. Um, Arizona, Houston. Um, I have basically, I mean, it's a coin toss, um, but I like Arizona's athleticism there um, to kind of pull it out late. Uh, I think they just have one too many weapons, um, whereas Houston is, you know, very much team oriented. But Matherin kind of has been such a scoring machine this tournament. Um, I'll I'll side with him there. Uh, and then in the other one, I, I like uh, Villanova um, to go by Michigan. Um, all right, so then we move to the east. Um, we have North Carolina, UCLA. Uh, Carolina is the eight seed. UCLA is the four seed. Back in the Sweet Sixteen for UCLA. Man, uh, North Carolina looks very, very good in this tournament. Um, Baycott has been an elite big man. Uh, Brady Manick, incredible shooting performance in the round of thirty-two. UCLA. Um, for two games now, uh, I mean, they didn't 
they didn't necessarily look the part in round one against Akron. Uh, second um, round of 32 game, uh, they they definitely were much more dominant performance uh, running away with it uh, over St. Mary's, who I, I, I like St. Mary's a lot coming in. Um, there's a lot of balance on this UCLA team um, behind Ju Zhang, uh, Chuck, Chuck Wed, uh, um, I always mess this one up, uh, Jamie Jaquez, uh, Tiger Campbell, uh, Bernard's done a, a nice job also adding, uh, you know, as their fourth scorer. And um, defensively, I mean, UCLA, I mean, they fit the metrics. Uh, number 12 offensively, uh, number 13 defensively. Uh, North Carolina, uh, 20 on offense, 42 on defense. You know, Carolina, there's the team that lost to Pitt during the regular season. And then there's the team that like won um, the final game of the year at at, uh, at Cameron against Duke um, and also went out against Vatek in the ACC tournament. There's, you know, there's, they're just... Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that against Vatek because they lost that game. But they, they're kind of, they're somewhere in the middle. Um, they're not as bad as their loss against Pitt, and they're not as good as they played in that second Duke game. Um, so I think they're, water finds this level here a little bit. Um, and I think UCLA, as much as I, I'm not really UCLA, UCLA believer, um, I think they have the weapons to get back to the Elite Eight here. Um, and I think that it's just... Carolina is if they shoot the ball as well as they did in their second um, the second game there uh, the round of 32 against Baylor they're going to be a tough out but the fact that they couldn't put Baylor away when they were up by 24 it would have been the biggest upset in tournament history or sorry biggest comeback in tournament history you know that that was kind of the warning sign for me Um, whereas UCLA I think defensively will kind of choke you out if you if you if you can't put them away. Um, that's just kind of how they were last year and they're, they're, they're healthy and they're there at the, they've been there before. Whereas this Carolina team has not, um, the other game score of the tournament, um, the number 15 seed, uh, St. Peter's Peacocks out of Jersey city against number three, Purdue, uh, this region, obviously with, um, the upsets going down Purdue, um, in my mind becomes, uh, a very strong favorite to come out of this. Um, Jaden Ivey uh, is th- as good of a guard as there is here. Um, the story here is Purdue's defense, obviously, outside of the 100, uh, top 100 in the country. Um, they're the number two offensive in the country. Um, St. Peter's, I had mentioned this in, in our preview. There's something about St. Peter's coming in Defensively, now I uh, granted the competition, you could kind of throw that out, but their defense, specifically from um, from two, from two, it is incredibly, incredibly strong. Um, and now they showed it uh, against the guards of Kentucky. Don't shoot the ball well from three. That kind of plays into what St. Peter's likes to do, where they're going to muck it up and be strong in the interior. They're incredibly active. Um, Casey Indefo is a, a very good shot blocker, although he's a little undersized at 6'7", uh, going against Zach Eady, who's 7'4". Okay, here's the stat that I came across here. During their 10-game winning streak, um, which you know got extended with their win against Murray State in the round of 32, 
the St. Peter's Peacocks ha- have the nation's top defense inside the three-point line, only allowing teams to score at 35%. That is incredible, incredible, incredible stat. Um, Kentucky shot at 47% inside the three-point line. Murray State, a team that likes to get physical and get to the rim, only shot at 35%. So th- this is where it's going to be done. Jaden Ivey likes to get to the rim. Is he going to be able to get to the rim against St. Peter's, or are they going to be giving him trouble? Um, Stefanovic from Purdue, I think, becomes a key here because he. there's been so many games this season where if you look in the box where he doesn't score um, a ton, and then there's games where it's just like, oh, man, this guy is a very, very good shooter, um, and he just hasn't shown it yet in the tournament. So in my eyes, he has to do something here just from three-point range just to show that um, everything Purdue does is not necessarily inside. Um, but Purdue's got to, you know, they have to show up defensively here. They have to do something to keep St. Peter's from scoring. St. Peter's is not a good offensive team. Now, have they played well? Yes, they've they've scored um, they've scored pretty well in this tournament. Where um, if we look... The opening round game against Kentucky, they scored 85. They scored 70 on Murray State. So the fact that they're hitting 70 instead of you know having games in the 60s show that they, they're capable of scoring the basketball. But we're also not seeing anybody really kind of take, you know, make them really kind of work and grind out a game with a game in the 60s. But unfortunately, Purdue's not going to play that way because Purdue's going to play fast. They're going to score a ton of points. And they're going to score here against St. Peter's. But... If they go through a scoring drought over, you know, say a five or six minute stretch, if if they haven't, if they can't pull away from St. Peter's, you have to like what St. Peter's has done in close games. Now, do I like them in this game? It's a really tough matchup. Uh, Zach Eady inside is just such. There's such a size advantage against St. Peter's. He, he's going to be tough, and Ivy is the best guard left in this tournament. But I just not sure he's going to be able to, you know, get to the rim like he wants to or can. But that burst of speed in the open floor is going to be the difference. I think that's where St. Peter's needs to keep them um, Purdue from getting out in the open floor. Obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't say I think Pursue's going to win this game. But you know, keep an eye on St. Peter's because if they're able to muck this game up and it's 36 minutes in and they're within four points, it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting final four minutes of the game um, to see if they can um, actually get put away or not, or if they're going to, you know, um, have a close one again or possibly even win. Move over to the Midwest, um, Kansas, uh, Providence, one, four uh, chalk in the up to the, you know, upper half of that bracket. Um, Kansas here uh, through two games has looked apart. Um, they they are an elite offensive team. Um, they hit the first game, obviously, Texas Southern. They gave up 72 against Creighton. Creighton didn't have their big man. I That was a game I would have looked for Kansas to show me a little bit more um, than what they did. It kind of disappointed me that they couldn't just blow Creighton's doors off. Creighton doesn't necessarily shoot the ball that well. And with their missing big man, I thought Kansas really would have stomped them out, and they didn't. Um, and I think that's to me is kind of their fault. Is is Kansas doesn't 
they don't have the same killer instinct that they've had over the season, over the past few seasons. Man, Providence, they continue to kind of, I think, defy what I, I'm a Providence believer now. Um, I think the opening round game, they did a really good job of keeping South Dakota State from, you know, hitting threes. And in the second game against Richmond, um, you know, it really was never it was never in doubt um, where they they ran away with it. Uh, and to me, this is this is their time. And I think Ed Cooley, from a perspective here, he's going to get his guys up for this game. Um, Bill Self is not known. He's known for kind of having these letdowns in the tournament. Whereas Providence, I think, listen, they've won close games. That's what they've done all year. I, I've been a Providence doubter. Um, but I think to me, this is a game where if Nate Watson can get going inside and we start to see Providence kind of grind them to a halt defensively. Um, the, the problem is metrics wise, Providence just doesn't, they, they don't really do it. Uh, they don't, they don't fit it. Um, you know, they're 58 defensively. I think they're in the forties offensively. Um, but Sooner or later, winning those close games matters. And this is the one where if Kansas can't put them away, you got to like Providence's chances late. Uh, moving down to the final game of the Sweet 16 um, in the... Ooh, not even sure what region we're in anymore. Um, in the Midwest, we have Iowa State, the 11 seed against the 10 um, Miami Hurricanes. Man, Miami is an offensive team. Uh, juggernaut Wong had probably one of the dunks of the tournament in their um, their round of 32 upset over Auburn. Um, Iowa State, very good defensive team. Um, offensively is where I think we've kind of seen them have their letdowns. They've had In two tournament games, they've scored 59 points and 54 points. At some point, that has to change because the tempo... Um, you know, you're going to have to play at Miami's tempo sooner or later. Iowa's tempo to 237. Uh, Miami at 147, but in my eyes, they kind of, at least in real time in the tournament, have played faster than that. Um, Iowa State, um, they've definitely got the scoring. Uh, at least they've had it in two games, uh, Kalucher and in the round of 32. And the other guy, I got to look now. I'm trying to pull it up while I talk. And this is where a one-man show is not really what I'm made for. But Brockington did it in uh, the round of 64. He had 19. One of those guys has to do – they really need both of those guys to do some heavy lifting to hang around with Miami. Um, Miami, at least from the competition standpoint, they've had these games. They won at Duke this year. They've won other, other – um, if uh, one against other ACC opponents, Iowa didn't finish strong. Um, I was oh, sorry, Iowa State didn't finish strong, but um, you know they do have wins this season over uh, Texas, Texas Tech. So they are capable of it. But um, in this one, I'm a, Mo- a Miami believer. Um, I, I just I liked what they did against Auburn. Auburn every time Auburn had. A little bit of life. Miami came up with a big play, the big basket. They like it. They the 50-50 balls are seemingly were going their way all game there. Um, Magusti is a very good player in the mid-range. Uh, Isaiah Wong is a very, very strong athletic player getting to the rim. 
Um, and Charlie Moore is a guy who can score in a variety of ways as well. The guard play here, I mean, the guard play on both sides is is going to be what wins this game. But Miami, to me, at this point, just has too many weapons. Um, and then uh, whether they uh, face Kansas or um, whether they face Kansas or Providence will be the question, but um, I like the Hurricanes in this one. Um, not sure what the betting odds are there, but I think uh, Miami's a very short favorite. Um, but yeah, I think I think Miami, based off of the way they played against Auburn, if they play like that, I don't think Iowa State has the horses to keep up. Uh, you can't. The game is not going to stay in the fifties against Miami, at least the way I see it. Um, so I was going to have to, st- somebody's got to step up scoring wise. So, uh, I'm Bob, uh, without Bill in this one, uh, hopefully you enjoyed, tried to keep it as short as possible. Um, there's a lot to be said. There's probably things I missed. There's probably players I missed. Um, it's been a real good tournament so far. Uh, look forward to being back, um, before the final four. So Bill and Bob's bracket busting bonanza. Thanks for listening. See you next time.